0: Hmm.
1: Good morning and welcome to Thank the Maker, KCL's only premiere creative interview show. I'm your host, Clay Ballard, and today we've got a couple other students here uh, from around KCL. We'll be talking to them about directing and acting in the upcoming King's Players production of Frankenstein. I'm really excited because um, there's a little bit of a conflict of interest here. I am involved as an assistant director on this production. Uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, so I, I'm going to be talking to Isaac Freeman and Freya Thursfield uh, in just a couple minutes here. Um, and yeah, I hope you join us over the next hour as we explore creativity in the arts and in particular Frankenstein. Thanks so much. We'll be right back. Uh, welcome back again this is thank the maker with clay ballard um today i've got isaac and freya isaac is currently the writer adapter and director of uh, the king's players upcoming adaptation of frankenstein and uh, freya is one of the lead actors who is playing the namesake of uh, frankenstein victor frankenstein that is um so yeah let's turn up their mics and uh if y'all don't mind just uh introducing yourselves
2: yeah i'm isaac (laughs) adapted and and directed
1: frankenstein excellent
3: Yep, and i'm freya and i'm playing victor frankenstein and percy
1: shelley in frankenstein awesome well thank you guys so much for coming on the show uh we've been pretty deep in rehearsals for uh the last month or so um month plus really yeah (laughs) um yeah how are you guys doing today how's how's your tuesday morning going
2: pretty good yeah it's early early in the morning yeah <laughs> I probably wouldn't be awake at this time but otherwise uh you no, good
3: yeah yeah no i've had tea so i
1: feel like <laughs> everything's <laughs> fine great um so just to get a start uh i wanted to, to ask you guys about how you got into the perform- performing arts in general um did you do this uh back before kings uh, is this something new that you're exploring for the first time uh isaac um i mean i was one of those kids
2: that was always doing performing I was like in all of the school plays I was obsessed with that. Like, I was always like oh, I want to be an actor when I grow up um, I did like youth theatre like amateur dr- like andram yeah uh, and then I got a little bit older and realized I wasn't a very good actor and uh-huh. um, so I started doing all the like backstage stuff and uh, yeah and I always sort of wanted to try directing and, and writing and all of that sort of thing so yeah I figured university was probably a good chance to, to get to do that
1: awesome how about you
3: yeah i think i was sort of the same i was kind of playing things in school when i was really little and then i did that thing of hitting like eight or nine when everyone's told that they can't have the job that they wanted when they were little and i was like okay so that means i can't be an actor and we didn't really like go and see that much theater for a while and i sort of gave up on that a little bit and decided it wasn't something i wanted and then we started going to the theater again as a family and i like became obsessed instantly and i was about 12 and then from then on i wasn't in i didn't have big roles and things at school i was kind of on stage for like five minutes at a time but i was so hooked um and yeah yeah and then i kind of came to kings and i was like i have to I have to keep doing it. keep
1: that's great that's awesome and and just what are you guys currently studying right now if you don't mind me asking
2: uh i do classical studies i do english
1: Lit. and what led you both to to studying that
2: Well as well as being a theatre kid I was also one of those kids obsessed with Greek mythology Like I had all of the books, I had like a big poster on my wall so I just always loved that stuff And I did it at A
3: level and it was great, so classics I think yeah I just loved, and still love, but absolutely loved books And so the only degree that I could really see myself doing is one where I was just going to sit and be reading the whole time Because that was effectively what I was doing anyway
1: Right, that's awesome Very cool. And have you enjoyed your experience so far at Kings? What year are you both?
2: Uh, Second year. Second
1: year. Cool. Awesome. Has it been been good? uh, Kings?
2: I love my course. Yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially now I'm in second year because first year was all kind of like introductory modules and so I didn't really enjoy that that much but this year it's like all really niche things yeah <laughs> I, yeah i absolutely love that how, how ridiculously niche some of my uh, modules are yeah it's just great yeah
3: and i've picked everything i'm studying this year in first year it was almost all compulsory modules bar one and then this year it's entirely optional modules and that kind of means that whilst i'm like enjoying everything i'm studying also everyone in every seminar has like chosen to be there so usually has something to contribute which is just so much nicer than people sitting there and like yeah, every,
2: everyone. Everyone in the seminar just sitting there in silence, and you feeling like you have to say something. <laughs>
1: Completely, yeah, yeah. And then, what, what, where do you guys see yourself going after Kings? Uh, to grad school, to a career in the performing arts? What, what's, what's the interest and what's the drive?
2: Uh, well, I definitely like to go into theatre. Um, obviously, a difficult industry to get into. But I mean, at the moment, the the hope is that I might go to go and do a master's in like creative producing or something like yeah. that. Um, And then hopefully, yeah, go into theatre.
3: Incredible. Yeah, I definitely want to be an actor. I kind of do some things outside of uni that I'm like working on, kind of building up whilst I'm still at uni so that hopefully by the time I leave I'll have something I can leave into, but it's probably not going to be further education. It's more likely to be just doing that thing of trying to be an actor, which is so hit miss.
1: Yeah. What, What sort of things are you doing outside of uni right now?
3: Um, I'm training with a rep company at Theatre Peckham. We train once a week, um, and that's for the next year. And then at the end of that, we'll have a showcase, which is great because that hopefully means that I'll be able to like have people come along and watch and just kind of get a little bit more into the theatre world. And I do a load of physical theatre stuff with a company called um, Frantic Assembly, which is great because they're like quite well established and they're really into helping their younger members like bring them out into the acting world. So that's kind of what I'm trying to edge my way into but right anyways.
1: amazing that's awesome and then uh just kind of moving on to what you both individually do um had you done acting before before getting into the whole writing directing side of things yeah Isaac?
2: yeah I'd done lots of acting um yeah I was I was in all the like school plays yeah so I was like uh I was never quite the main parts but I was like right Ben Volio and Romeo and <laughs> Juliet and like <laughs> I was like yeah never quite cast as the main characters but they always put me in like a funny role yeah, or, like, yeah like comedy relief um, so I was quite enjoyed doing that and then I was part of Chichester Festival Youth Theatre uh-huh. uh, which is like yeah we did every, every week we met up and we did like we, mostly like drama games but there was some like actual acting training as well um, yeah we did all sorts of like festivals and stuff with that um, yeah so I did always used to love acting but it's more of a the acting side of theatre has always been more of a hobby rather than a Right, so
1: has directing been always kind of the end goal?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean I've never really before Kings I haven't really had the chance to do much directing I've sort of assistant directed on a few things uh, directed like some small things but this is the first chance I've had to really like direct my own show Yeah Um, and my interest is in sort of more rather than taking a script that someone else has already written and just doing a version of it i'm more interested in like
1: creating this. right so the whole writer director yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh double act yeah excellent that's that's awesome and how about you uh what um i guess are, do you have inter- any interest in like crossing lines and going on to direct um or or do you want to just stay in your lane as an actor i
3: don't have interests in directing. I think because <laughs> mainly right. because I would be a <laughs> terrible director. Um, but I write um, a little bit. Um, oh great! Yeah. And so I'm kind of trying to get more into that and doing that more regularly and you know writing and then having people read it and actually putting it out into the world rather than <clears> just like me sitting in my room typing away.
1: Right. Do you find that writing kind of like feeds into your own process as an actor, or is it a very separate medium?
3: I... I don't know, cause I've I've not I've had one short thing on, and it was kind of I wrote it and I gave it away, and I didn't I wasn't in it. I didn't think about how you would play it. I didn't think about how you'd direct it. I just sort of gave it away, and I was like, I want to give this to someone else to have new perspective on it. And I think that would kind of continue to be my pos- position on writing. If I was to say write a you know whole play that I wanted to put on, I would give it to a different director, and I wouldn't be looking mm-hmm. to act in it because. I think when it becomes like your child and then like you need absolute creative control over it, you often, it can be very interesting, but it's often like a very fixed perspective in that personally, I'd rather someone with more experience than me gave their perspective to it. Right. Um, but overall, I think acting will probably continue to be like the one, the one true love. Cause yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to shake it.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. Um, and. Back to you, Isaac. Uh, what is what is your process like in terms of uh, directing and or writing? Let's let's start with writing. Do you, how do you generate ideas? Uh,
2: oh God, that's a difficult question. Yeah, <laughs> um, I have ideas. I never really have a problem with. I have a thousand ideas for yeah. everything, all of the time. It's sitting down and turning those ideas into something that actually resembles some form of script or you know readable work. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, that's the thing I've always struggled with. Like always, like when I was a kid, I would always have like I'd buy new notebooks and like start writing a book in them, and then write like two pages and then give up and buy another yeah. notebook. Um, so yeah, I- ideas aren't the problem. It's yeah, I, I just never, never actually ma- managed to make myself sit down and just write a whole mm-hmm. thing. Uh, the only reason I really managed it with Frankenstein is because I I pitched it and got it, so I had to write yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so it-, it then wasn't it wasn't a choice it wasn't something i could keep putting up it was like you have to you have to audition people on this day you have uh-huh. to put the show up on this day so you have to have a script before then
1: i totally empathize with that because i'm having I'm, I'm having a similar situation go on i pitched a screenplay to the film society like last week and then they accepted me accepted it and like my immediate thought was not like oh yay it was like total dread yeah, that i had to yeah, write I this for the yeah. next month yeah um, we were just talking a little bit about your processes as actors and writers um, just to jump back in um, Freya um, you've mostly done stage acting I reckon have, do you have any interest in crossing over to film?
3: I I sort of do because it's, I recognize that it's a very different skill set and I think I would learn a lot by trying to do something kind of that different but at the same time the idea that I might have to um watch myself back doing something is absolutely mortifying and whenever like shows are recorded yeah. i never want to see them i don't know i don't want to yeah. know what i look like and that kind of terrifies me about film the fact that it's so readily available for me to like scrutinize myself
1: yeah i totally get it yeah do you, have you like recorded yourself before and watched yourself in like a critiquing way at all
3: no i've only watched back recordings of shows that I've been in all kind of self-tapes where you're watching it 150 times and then it's kind of minutely different each time and then you go slightly insane because really you're standing in front of a white wall talking to absolutely nobody and it's nothing but like that's yeah I've never really watched back any kind of self-tape that I've done in order to Judge the acting particularly. I just want to like be as deadpan as possible and send (laughs) it (laughs) off.
1: Yeah. So how how do you grow as an actor then? What what's your kind of? I know in each individual show there's kind of an arc of figuring out the character. But what how do what do you take moving from show to show, and in terms of just like skills?
3: Um. I do. I do a lot of workshops around shows because mm-hmm. I think just doing shows and just working on one character, you tend to get into your kind of rut of exactly how you think that character character should work. And then in doing workshops where you're not allowed to look at any kind of character and just sort of looking at different creative activities that you can be doing in order to explore a character, that kind of helps. Mm-hmm. But um, I think what I take from show to show is sometimes like really specific bits of advice or specific exercises that we do Um, one that we've done with Frankenstein um, in kind of looking at something called facts and questions which is um, like a technique of a director called Katie Mitchell is something that I did for the first time at school and I found quite helpful um, just in terms of establishing exactly where my character should be learning that and then forgetting it because you shouldn't consciously be thinking, oh yes now my character would be thinking this Yeah. Um, and I find that useful but Kind of, I think the main thing that I take from show to show is that by the time it gets on stage, I will have an established character, and I can trust that somewhere along the process, if like when I've kind of been lucky to only work with directors that I've trusted in that, and sure. then by the time I've been on stage, I've always had a fully formed character, and I've always had something like really to offer. And the main thing I'd say I take therefore is that when that I will always have that by the time I'm on stage, and I can trust the like creative process will get me there.
1: Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And, and Isaac, um, do you ha- so we talked a little bit about your writing, um, but what's your process then for directing? Is this, is Frankenstein your first, like, full directorial debut? Uh, yeah, it's debut? my
2: first, yeah, show where I've been, like, lead director. Yeah. Um, I'm also, I'm co-directing another show at the moment. Um, Busy I'm man. Yeah. The <laughs> man. Uh, I'm doing the, the annual Greek play, uh-huh. which is in ancient Greek, if you've not heard of Goodness it. Goodness gracious. Yeah, in ancient Greek. Um, So, yeah, so I'm learning quite a lot on that as well, because I'm working with, uh, like, an actual theatre professional on that, like, uh, someone who actually kind of knows what he's doing. Um, Whereas, I, yeah, I'm sort of... So I'm learning a lot on that, and then, yeah, Frankenstein has been a big sort of, like, uh, learning process. Um, Yeah, sort of had to jump in at the deep end and just give it a go. I mean, it's really hard to know if you're a good director I yeah I suppose it's yeah you've got to
1: have like a, kind of a final product at the end to judge yeah, and yeah I have
2: to I guess we'll have to you have to wait and come and see Frankenstein and then yeah. you'll find out if I'm a good director <laughs> I mean Claire I hope you'll come and see Frankenstein <laughs> <laughs>
1: um so uh, here's the question I have for you Isaac uh, I, for one of my classes uh, it's called contextualizing creativity and it's basically looking at like where creativity comes from, um, how is it fostered? How do you direct it as a leader? Um, and one of the main points uh, that's brought up in class is uh, most of leadership over like creative people is done by setting constraints um, on what they're doing. Do you agree or disagree? This is just one article of mine Yeah,
2: I don't know. I've not I've not heard about that before. It's not something I would consider. Really, I don't know. As part of doing Frankenstein, I'm quite enjoying when other people have ideas. Yeah, I can be like, yes, that's great. Why don't we have a look at doing that? Why don't we do it in this way? Um, so I don't know. Yes.
1: So you have a more collaborative yeah. approach, I guess. I mean, I, yeah. Because yeah, I guess the question boils down to, do you stick, are you sticking to a specific vision um, or are you kind of like setting parameters of a broad vision and then letting people play within that.
2: Yeah, I think, well, I, I definitely have a clear idea of how I want the show to look, sure. but within that, there's a lot of scope for other people's ideas of it, because it, it has been very in my head up until this point, because it, it was my own adaptation, and right. I am directing it, so it, it's very easy to to make it very yeah very much inside my own head and and therefore a weird product of my brain exclusively, which is not something I'm really interested in doing. So yeah, it's really nice to have other people's ideas on it. And, and people will take a look at something that you've got an idea about and go, well, what if we do this in a completely different way? And then you realise that actually that's much better. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would I I'm not interested as a director in being like this is how it's going to be you do this you do that it's more like how does this look what do you think about it Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know i'm interested in other perspectives sure
1: um on the topic of collaboration and going back to acting um acting is not really an individual sport it can be um but in most cases it's it's very much collaborative as well um what makes a good scene partner when you're on the stage
3: um it's different to what well not it's different the Way that a scene partner should be in rehearsal compared to the way they should be in, not should the way that I like to work like in a show is different, and I think the best thing to have in a rehearsal room is someone who's offering a lot and someone who's offering a lot of different things and who's staying spontaneous and who doesn't get into a rut of like doing a scene the way that they like and then sticking with it. It's kind of continuing to surprise their scene partner so that like it does have that element of like liveness to it and like yeah like stays alive and then. I think that stays to an extent when you actually get it onto the stage and you get into, like, performing it, but should be toned down to a point, because you don't obviously want to be on stage throwing something at your scene partner where they have absolutely no idea what's coming at you and they can't react to it. Sure. But definitely keeping that kind of undercurrent of the words that I'm speaking are alive and they come from a person who is alive and therefore, like, we have to maintain that we don't always say it in the same way because otherwise it just sounds like you're reciting something
1: yeah yeah that's actually that's an interesting thought i've had because um i do improv theater and like certain parts of my brain are like this is the realist form of acting like when you're acting on the stage you're just memorizing and and performing actions and then memorizing those actions um that's obviously not true and plenty of people would contest me but that comes to mind a lot do you have any thoughts on like improv as straight acting versus like memorizing lines and directions
3: i don't do much improv but i think it it's very different and i think there is an extent to which like it is much more obviously like in the moment and it's easier i think to invest in audience sometimes in improv because you're often bouncing off ideas that they have or just like bouncing off the energy of the room which like Mm -hmm. helps to create an entire like theatrical space rather than it being like a divide between stage and audience but I would also say at the same time that often because you don't have any anything to work with particularly in improv except like yourself it can be closer to people playing versions of themselves or caricatures of themselves or bring like exclusively their ideas because you don't have time to collaborate about it particularly except like in the moment and so you have to work on what you know about the other person rather than having a conversation about like what you might learn and then what you can bring.
1: Sure. I have
2: a lot of opinions about
1: improv. No, go for it. <laughs> I would love to hear your opinions on okay. improv.
2: I, I think good improv is amazing.
1: Yeah. And I've, I've
2: seen some excellent improv, but bad improv is just dire.
1: I am in your boat.
2: So I, I yeah. worked for the last couple of years at a venue for the Edinburgh Fringe, and God, some of the improv we had. Yep. Yeah. So
1: bad. I used to do it on the indie DC circuit. And, yeah, you get this feeling going to shows. A lot of it's bad, first and foremost, but a lot of the audience is just other improvisers. And it's like, (laughs) what is this art form doing in these amateur circles? But Um, some
2: some of the best improv I have ever seen was um, the Cambridge Impronauts, mm -hmm. which is like just like a student true right and they're absolutely brilliant and it was like the funniest hour that I saw at the entire fringe and i saw loads of like big name comedians before. yeah but that was absolutely brilliant but then yeah we had a we had a show in my venue that was like improvised episodes of doctor who mm-hmm. which was very popular with small children but small children was not their intended audience. right <laughs> <laughs> so it was a very odd show. So, like, they were... Pi- it was, like, pitched at adults who enjoyed Doctor Who. Right. But the audience was mostly small children who who enjoyed Doctor Who. Yeah. And, but they would come expecting, like, to see episodes of Doctor Who, and it was just, like, these, like, I think four guys and one woman who were just, like... But it was... It wasn't Doctor Who because it was just their own improvised... It was... Yeah, it was a whole thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um okay that being said i I think um there's improv as a performance but there's also improv as a tool how do you guys feel about improv as like a tool for writing um or developing characters do you think it's valuable in that sense i think it's
2: really useful i mean you were talking about katie Mitchell earlier she one of her ideas is that when you go into a rehearsal room for the first time you shouldn't use the script Mm -hmm. you should just um your actors should have an idea of what the scene is and where their characters want to get to during the scene, but you should start out just improvising the scene right. rather than going through the text because it's going to give you a much stronger idea of like what their motivations are and you know and it gives you a chance to characterise them. Um, and I think that kind of thing could be really... I mean, I don't do that, but <laughs> I do think improvisation can be really useful as a tool. Um, yeah, it definitely lets you see it in a different way. Uh, yeah, I, don't
3: know. yeah I definitely agree and I think one of the most useful things we, for me we've done during Frankenstein was when we were just kind of starting up and it's so easy to get kind of locked in your script and thinking right, this is my next line and then putting those down and doing those improvised scenes where you, you know the emotional arc and you know roughly what you should be saying but you're focusing on how do I actually interact with this other person, you know if I don't have written words to facilitate this conversation, like what would I actually be saying, what would I actually be feeling and mm-hmm. then yeah, I find that so helpful because yeah, so much of text work is non-naturalistic because you're learning something and you're reciting it, and yeah. like no matter how well written it is, it's always learning something and reciting it, and um, being able to put like very real, very spontaneous emotions to that, I find so helpful.
1: Yeah, very interesting points. I like talking improv theory, and like <laughs> improv is like one of my absolute favorite things because it's just I don't know, it's fascinating. There's like so many rules to it but, like, so many things you can break as well. Um, anyways, moving on. Um, Isaac, where do you draw inspiration from as a director?
2: Ooh, um, well, yeah, I've been reading a lot of Katie Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I hope you can't tell. Um, For anyone that uh, um, doesn't, isn't familiar, or, like, deep in theatre circles, can you give, like, a broad kind of overview of Katie Mitchell and, like, what she... Uh,
2: yeah, she's a she's a very well-known... London theatre director, but she's done stuff all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's written a bunch of books. Uh, I, I actually have one of her books in my bag right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, she's she's done all sorts of things uh, over several decades. I think she's considered one of the like foremost theatre directors. She's got quite a lot of quite interesting ideas about yeah. things, um, <laughs> and I would say I don't always agree with her ideas and things, um, but yeah she's got a lot of really interesting theory um, i would look her up if you're interested in directing there's a lot you can learn from her mm-hmm. even if you don't actually take everything she says there's there's definitely a lot in there that, that you can yeah learn from i think
1: um stylistically or like uh, other performances you've seen do you draw inspiration from uh from things like that
2: Yeah, I mean, I go to the theatre a lot. Mm -hmm. It's probably too much, more than my budget can stretch (laughs) to, really. But, um, yeah, I I like, and I I try and see all sorts of theatre. I try and see, you know, I like musicals. I try and see West End musicals, but I also try and see fringe theatre. And in London, there's so much fringe theatre that people just don't really think to go and see because you think, oh, this this show's on in the West End, obviously that. Mm. But there's so much really interesting stuff at, like, off West End venues that that you mostly only get only pe- people only go to it if they live near it or if they like really care yeah. about theatre which is such a shame because yeah sometimes they're so good um, I worked at, at this venue last year that's a 50 seater theatre in Kensington um, and it's had some like some shows that have gone on to then be like huge West End shows mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to catch West End shows before they happen, <laughs> yeah. uh, really, like yeah, London Fringe theatre is is so amazing. Like it's the uh, probably the best Fringe scene in the world. Um, yeah, there's all sorts of things. Yeah, and I try and go and see as many different shows as possible, and try and like steal things from that. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Lovely. And how about you, Freya? Do you when with, with acting? Do you draw inspiration from? What do you draw inspiration from? What what gets your creative juices flowing?
3: I suppose to an extent I probably drew inspiration from performers that I've seen and Mm -hmm. you know I definitely have the actors that I think you know if I can ever act a tenth of how well they act then like that's me sorted and I'm fine Um, I also I love reading interviews with actors because I think they're ridiculous because so often actors are so self-conscious and they don't want to be talking about themselves they're Mm -hmm. super happy to be like slipping into characters I don't Tend to read like the kind of big film name ones necessarily, but definitely like theatre actors mm-hmm. talking about, yeah, just like how they access characters. And I love the little things that particularly older actors tend to like throw out and say. And you know, sometimes it's so like actors who think that you should be entirely absorbed by the character. Or I think it's Mark Rylance who's kind of like every character you play will be yourself, and you have to get over that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I hearing things like that, I am always thinking of when I'm in the rehearsal room because it's so easy to get kind of caught up in your own head and then having those inspirations to think about I find really helpful but also I think reading a lot is one of the best things I could possibly be doing in terms of acting Mm -hmm. because so much of reading is getting into characters heads and is spending you know a number of hours as a different person and I am the sort of person who kind of starts reading a book and then is instantly like hallucinating the book like around me like I'm not thinking about myself reading it on the page it is very much like a world that I'm then absorbed in and knowing that I can be that fully absorbed in a world and a character for that amount of time kind of reassures me that that's something that I can access and do on stage.
1: Fascinating yeah really interesting and it it's kind of in opposition so when I and this is I guess more improv related anyways but when I seek inspiration I kind of totally I look past uh, reading about things and try and observe people and like how they act and their mannerisms and, thing, and things. So it quite, it's quite interesting to see in like oppositional view, but yeah, quite, quite interesting. Um, so moving on to Frankenstein itself, um, a little introduction. So Frankenstein is in fact, uh, it's, it's like half modern, half not, it's, uh, but it is a modern adaptation of this original book by Mary Shelley. And it has parts that are set in the modern time as well as parts that are set in Mary Shelley's time. Um, Isaac, what led to that decision of kind of splitting it into two time zones?
2: Yeah, so originally I was going to do like a period adaptation, Mm -hmm. um, but I always had this idea of it will be told by Mary Shelley. So Mm -hmm. there was always going to be this split of having her in it and then also having it having the separate story. so yeah I don't know at what point I chose to to make it modern day but somewhere along the writing process I went this would be much more interesting if it was modern because well I think in some ways uh Victor Frankenstein is quite a modern character like he's a university student mm-hmm. I was like I'm a university student right. <laughs> <laughs> I should just you know I could make this much more relatable to to myself if not for anyone else um, yeah, I, I don't remember the exact moment that I chose to sort of to to switch it to being like that, but I'm glad I did. It's I think it, it's let me play with a lot of the themes in the book that are really hard to put on stage in the in the original context. Um, yeah, and it's it's let me sort of get less bogged down in the sort of make sure they're all in waistcoats and shirts and yeah. this you know period costume <laughs> stuff and period set and all of that sort of thing. So I've been less sort of bogged down and all of that and it's given me the chance to sort of explore the actual themes of it a bit
1: more i think right and fred do you have any thoughts on like the direction that it's been taken? feel free to critique your director how am i doing
3: (laughs) (laughs) i think it's really fascinating because i um something that is spoken about kind of during the play is how um the original book was much more of like a meditation on yeah like what it is to be human and I think definitely when you say Frankenstein in a contemporary context in a modern context it's kind of you know like bolt through the head and a Mm. green monster and that's obviously a very long way away from what the book was trying to achieve and so I think kind of relocating it in a modern context but with the sentiment of the book is really interesting Um, yeah and it's it's nice to be playing a character you know my age and in a similar situation to me who's kind of Having some, yeah, having like thought that we attribute like people who are particularly intelligent or particularly like exceptional when in reality, like, he's a university student. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Going off that, do you relate much at all to Victor Frankenstein? <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, I do, I relate to it. I think pr- to an extent, I probably do. Um, something that actually having just spoken about characterization is interesting is Victor is a very anxious character uh-huh. which is something that I can relate to but having to find anxious ticks like that Victor does that aren't already my nervous ticks <laughs> that I do because yeah. I have um someone once said to me if they ever needed to play a nervous character they would just watch me for a while because <laughs> I had so much <laughs> for them to like draw on um so but now that I've been like looking at how I want Victor to like be on stage I've like All of the nervous takes I like I now do, and I don't really know how not to do them because I've like I started out like doing them to make sure that I wasn't doing my own ones on stage, and now I just do them all the time and I'm kind of like so to an extent yeah, but also um he's incredibly like he's particularly exceptionally intelligent um in a way that I think he finds quite isolating, and that's not something I necessarily understand, because... He's also kind of
2: awful, though. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he's
3: also, like, a narcissistic... Yeah.
1: yeah, going off that, my next question was going to be, like, what do you like about Victor, and what do you hate about Victor as a character? Or either one of you.
2: Oh, um, I mean, I kind of hate him. Well, I, <laughs> well when, I, when I read the book, you, you read it and you're like, he's awful, yeah. he's just the worst. Um, because a lot of it is in first person from Victor's point of view um, so you're kind of reading it and you're like how can you be saying these, th- how can you think these things he basically, he abandons the creature because it's ugly yeah. like, <laughs> he creates, the idea is that he's going to make something beautiful and then he makes it and it's ugly and he, that scares him so he comes away <laughs> like that's, i mean it's maybe it's a there's a little bit more nuance than that right but, but basically it's it doesn't look how he expected it to look mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that's his problem with it um so yeah he just yeah, he, he like he creates something he basically like creates a child and then just leaves it alone and right like yeah I, I just i have a lot of I have a lot of beef with
3: Victor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on Victor?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm one of those actors who I if I even if I'm playing a dislikable character, I'm I don't feel like I can dislike them because I have to play them sympathetically. I mean, I yeah. think I've tried um,
2: to make him a little bit more sympathetic in, in our version.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. he's not an awful
0: person
3: <laughs> but definitely um, I it's that kind of I'm having to look at the bad things that he does, like abandon what is effectively his child, and kind of rationalize that and work out why he'd be doing that and motivations. And yeah, so I I think whilst I'm kind of recognizing that, yeah, maybe he's not like infallible, but he does. I think he's a sympathetic character to an extent. I'm trying to play him as a (laughs) sympathetic character. Because I think we really see that he does something and it has unexpected consequences and he really doesn't know how to cope with that. And I think a lot of players like seeing that, yeah, perhaps he's being selfish and a little bit narcissistic, but he really just has done something incredible and doesn't know how to cope with it at all.
1: Yeah. Interesting. So come see the show is basically yeah. the. Uh... <laughs>
2: please, please come see the
1: show. Yeah, <laughs> who who sh- who should come see the show? So like everyone, if... <laughs> but if you are of a particular like, what? Who do you think would find this show particularly in- interesting?
2: Um, I I mean, if you're a purist about the book, maybe don't come and see it, because <laughs> um, I have taken liberties. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if you. I mean, I've I've tried to create just an interesting piece of theatre mm-hmm. like it's it's only an hour long and it's quite cheap as well <laughs> like <laughs> if, you, if you're just interested in coming and seeing what is hopefully an interesting show for an hour then come along because yeah I mean more than anything else what I try to do is make something that is enjoyable to direct enjoyable to act in and hopefully enjoyable to watch as well like yeah. I'm not trying to do anything super profound I'm not trying to like make a new great work of art but it you know it it should be good and it should be interesting and there should be uh, it should give you things to think about. Um, so yeah, so I guess if you're uh, interested in yeah, I mean I mean if if you do like Frankenstein, you will enjoy it. I haven't like butchered the book, but, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. but- just just come see it. It's fine. Just just come see it.
3: I also think it's got kind of. A lot of different things that appeal to a lot of different people because it's obviously you know it's like this great work of literature and it features a lot of like very Thank poetic <laughs> 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 to be clear I did read the original book um, but yeah and it has a lot of like poetic things in it and that obviously appeals to kind of especially me as an English student but then it also touches on kind of natural sciences and philosophy and artificial intelligence and all these things that I think is quite yeah i think it has yeah a so if you're a,
2: if you're a scientist and you're going to come and critique my my vision of artificial intelligence don't <laughs> i have done zero research i don't intend to
1: do any research <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's,
2: yeah it's, a, it's a concept it's philosophy <laughs> <laughs> don't
0: question
1: it. lovely um all right we're going to take another quick break right now before we uh finish up the show with some questions on creativity and uh what your thoughts on that are um now, I asked both of you to submit a <laughs> song for an, um, uh, kind of a break period. Isaac, you didn't get me one. That's okay. I didn't answer. Freya uh, gave me one. Freya, do you want to introduce the song we we're going to be using as a break?
3: Um, this is I Can't Stay by The Killers. Um, I don't really listen to music, and so my friends make me playlists. And this just happens to be on a playlist that one of my friends made me for the summer. And I like it. That's it.
1: Lovely. Let's give it a listen.
3: I knew I had to make my... This okay. is
0: it
1: Thank the maker. Uh, that was "I Can't Stay" by The Killers. Uh, why did you choose that song again? What do you like about it?
3: Um. Well, I mean, partly you asked me for a song for a break, and it's a song about leaving, so um, that was sort of why I picked it. <laughs> um, I really don't. I don't think about the music that I listen to particularly, yeah. and my friends have made me playlists to educate me, um, and yeah. I don't know, that one just kind of has an energy that I like to it, I guess. It's
2: very enjoyable. I'm a bit like that as well. I'm like, I have no idea what my music taste is, I just listen to playlists on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> like, what artist do you like? I, I feel don't like, know. I like... I like this playlist. Yeah,
1: I feel like my music taste since high school, for me as an American, has just... It's been high school music taste and has never evolved past that. And now, just whatever Spotify feeds me and, like, <laughs> mm. the playlists I listen to. I, I I used to be such a music snob, but I don't know. I, mm. Has that happened for you guys at all?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, my parents are very particular about the music they listen to. Like, my dad is a songwriter uh-huh. and writes his own music and, like, has a lot of opinions. Like me, on everything, but on music particularly. And he's he's definitely a bit of a music snob. Um, so I sort of grew up being a bit of a, oh, this is real music and then pop music like they do nowadays is not real music. Yeah. Now I'm just like, but it's fun and I like it and it sounds good. So yeah, I'm, I'm a bit like, yeah, whatever, whatever Spotify wants to feed me, I'll, I'll consume, you know, it's
1: (laughs) cool.
3: We, especially at home, we don't really listen to music, which is interesting because pretty much everyone in my family plays an instrument but like we're not you know if we're driving places we won't have the radio on Um, if we're just like hanging out in the kitchen until very recently we wouldn't have any music on my brother is very into music and so now if we're say like both writing an essay or doing some reading in the kitchen and like my parents are around like he might put a playlist on and we'll listen to that but it's not something I think partly because it wasn't something that we ever really listened to when we were younger um other than, like, my dad likes classical music because he used to be, like, a choir boy and all of that Mm -hmm. weirdness that England sometimes does. Um, Yeah, and then it's the kind of... I listened to musicals for a while because I could find something... Like, I could find a narrative that I could, like, key into for that, and so that became the only music that I listened to. And now I listen to the most eclectic mix of, like, upbeat or, like, indie rock or sometimes, like classical music because I like it and it's easy to work to or musicals and yeah I don't know it's not something that I kind of think of as this is what I like and I will never like anything else
1: right um, on the topic of uh, kind of that and and consuming an art and then going back into creating it like you said your family mostly does perform um, do either of you think it is important to if you're in theater or you're directing um, to go and like Watch performances, or if you're making music, to listen to music. Oh. Um,
2: yeah, absolutely. Like, there's nothing. I mean, wh- I, when I was younger, I, I had ideas of being like a writer, and I was told if you want to be a writer, what you should do is read. Like, mm-hmm. just read as many books as you can, and I did. Um, so, yeah, I think absolutely the the way you one of the best ways of making good work is by consuming other people's work because. Every everything you do is stealing a little bit from other people's stuff, and that's fine. That's okay. That's what it is. Yeah. Um. But you're not going to get any of those. You know. You're never going to learn anything about this work unless, um, <laughs> unless you see other people's. So yeah, no, absolutely. I think you have to be going out, and you can't really be making creative theatre without going out and seeing other people's work.
0: Right.
3: And I would say definitely like creativity and. Creative jobs are often vocational, and it's the sort of how do you know what you like until or what you like and what you don't like. But how do you know what you like and what you don't until you see things, until mm-hmm. you see what you want to be doing, maybe what you don't want to be doing, or just even kind of constantly when you're working on your own creativity and on your own products, um, projects, going and seeing other people who have created something and being reminded that that is what you're aiming for, or whatever it might be that is you know vocational for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Fascinating. And then on that topic, uh, do you guys have your own opinions on, like, what creativity is? What, like, how would you define creativity? I can give you guys a base if you want (laughs) to start with. So, uh, a a common, like, academic definition is something novel and of value. Do you agree with both those pieces of the definition?
2: I I mean, I suppose it depends on what your definition of value is. Like, there's a lot of Creative stuff that's not really contributing anything to the world. Sure. From that
1: someone. But would you call it. that creative?
2: Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. If if you've if you've gone something out of making it, um, then I think it's creative. Yeah, I don't I don't think it has to add something to the world right. to be a, to be creativity.
3: And I'm I'm very much one of those people who it looks at kind of everything and things. oh, that's, you know, aspects of science and things that are, like, very much considered not creative or solving mathematical problems and, like, watching people who really know what they're doing in certain fields, I think, is for them a sort of creativity because whenever... Yeah, I guess it's not just, like, the creation of new knowledge, but when you kind of draw on what you're capable of in order to create or work to create something new is a form of creativity regardless of who perceives it to have value because i think especially when you start to attribute value to something that becomes incredibly subjective um and then it becomes something you can compartmentalize and some things are allowed to be creative because they have value and some things aren't allowed to be creative because they don't have value and then often the majority starts kind of shaping what right
1: there's all sorts of power dynamics at play yeah yeah
3: exactly you know if it's if it's done on a, like a value judgment and that's decided by the majority, then a lot of people end up missing out and it becomes kind of like a tunnel where you can't perceive anything outside of what you've been taught to be creative mm-hmm. as creative.
1: Yeah. It's a really interesting discussion um, and something I think about a lot on the show and talk about with people. Um, so I have two more quick questions before we wrap up. Uh, we're about at the end of our time here, um, but on the topic of value... Um, what value do you think Frankenstein is adding to the wider <laughs> KCL uh, cultural community, if any? <laughs> um,
2: I think outside of the actual content of it, I think what I'm trying to do, whether I'm achieving it or not, um, trying to create new theatre is something we struggle with a little bit of Kings. And I think a lot of what we do is like, here is a play that people know and we're going to direct that and put it on. And I... I have always been more interested in creating something a bit newer than that. So I mean, obviously Frankenstein is not <laughs> new as such, but um, but yeah, trying to create a, a different piece of theatre. Hopefully, it should be something a, a bit yeah a bit different to what we normally do um, in the King's Players and in in the theatre scene at Kings in general.
3: And I think having student shows put on so regularly every term is in itself like an incredibly valuable thing. And I think, oh, definitely. yeah, I I think that particularly student theatre is undervalued, not necessarily in terms of like quality or how good it should be, just but just the fact that there is this space where people of a similar age and of a similar experience kind of all go and collaborate to create something in a fairly safe environment. And then you can go and you can see your friends or just people your own age kind of achieving something that they've put a lot of, like, time and effort and passion into. And I think that's an incredible thing to be able to go and, like, see your peers to be doing.
1: Yeah. Lovely answers. Really lovely. Um, Yeah. Uh, And then finally, um, before we close the show, I'd like to ask all of my guests on Thank The Maker for uh, recommendations of media, theater, something you've been consuming lately and think is great that maybe other people aren't so tuned into. Um, so, Fred, do you have any recommendations, starting with you, um, for our listeners?
3: Um, I haven't had time to go to the theatre for a while, so I think I'm going to go with a book, and it's a book called Why Be Happy When You Could Be Normal? If You Could Be Normal? when you One of those two. If You, <laughs> you Could be normal? be normal? Why Be Happy If You Could Be Normal? Um, and uh, no, I think it's When You Could... I don't know. <laughs> it's one of those. It's a <laughs> fairly... You know, those, that word's not going to like make it hard to find the title, and it's by... Um, writer called Jeanette Winterson and she this book is um, autobiographical about particularly her younger years and it's about like finding her adoptive parents but also growing up um, in England um, at the time she did as like an adopted child with an incredibly odd mother who was you know fairly abusive towards her and it's the way that it's written Um, I read it over the summer, and it makes you want to read 400 other books, because she studied English at university, and so she's writing, and then there's just a snap reference to one line from an entire, like, the entire canon of a philosopher's work, and it makes you want to read all of them in order to understand what she's saying, and it's beautifully written and i read it um i was sofa surfing all summer and so i was like sitting in prets and in parks like reading and i was just like sitting in a pret reading this crying and you know not many books make you do that (laughs) so i really i really think that's one to read
2: lovely how about you isaac um i think i am going to recommend kind of a piece of theatre so a couple of days ago i went to see uh, at the globe it's called deep nights dark nights um and it was it's like uh, like it's storytelling, so there. Were, I think there were four different short stories from different novels, and uh, not from different novels, sorry, from different uh, writers. Um, and actually, one of them was Jeanette Winterson, and she came on and read her own work. Um, and it's this; it was this absolutely stunning. It was like it was just before Halloween. They did a couple, and I think they're doing another few at the beginning of November as well. Um, so I think there are a couple left. I don't know. Um, and yeah, and it was just, and they just came on and read their own work, and it was by candlelight. And it was, well, and there were moments where it was completely dark in the theatre because they don't use electric lights in there. It's a the sound mono eco playhouse, as so part of the Globe. It's like their indoor venue mm-hmm. at the Globe. Um, yeah, and just what they did with candlelight and what they did with sound, and they had like live musicians. Um, and two people fainted during the performance, oh my God. so <laughs> that probably tells you something. I mean, it was, it was very hot in there. It yeah. was very hot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just absolutely wonderful, like, spooky storytelling. Uh, yeah, it was absolutely great. If, there's, if there are more dates, you should definitely check it out.
1: Incredible. And finally, uh, when uh, can the broader KCL and London community come see Frankenstein? and Where?
2: Yes, come and see it. It's on uh, the 18th, 20th, and 21st of November, so about a week, week and a half something like that it's very really soon <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's very soon um, and it's in the Anatomy Museum uh, on the Strand campus at 7.30 or you can find all of the details on the Kings Players Facebook page
1: fantastic thank you both so much for coming on I really appreciate it us. yeah
3: thank you I've had a great time